welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. This is Sunday Night Teacher Talk. My name is C.J. Reynolds. I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. And what that means this evening is Teacher Talk is a place where you show up and we ask, answer your questions. It's not just me, but it's all these wonderful people on the side here from Leah Pratt to um, Tall Tal who's over in there to Jill Chapman. Like all these folks are sharing ideas. They are giving ideas. They're asking questions. And what this becomes is a community of educators instead of that old time in your school or your community or the world. It is about being a part of this community and helping each other out on what can often be the most terrifying night for teachers ever, probably. Um, so look, if you don't know the gig, what you do is you put your question in the comment section. I try to get to every question that I can. If you do not get your answer there because we run out of time or, or whatever happens, um, we you can go right over to our Facebook group, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk. There are thousands of people now over there that will answer your questions, give you comments, give you feedback that you can connect with. If that's not enough, uh, you can sign up for mentoring. Just go to realrapwithreynolds.com. I have my mentoring services over there. And that's where you find out like rates and availability of that stuff. If that is not enough, the dog will start barking at neighbors, which I don't really know why he's doing right now. But um, I will come to your school. I go to schools and I give talks. I was up in York, Pennsylvania last week uh, at the Red Lion School District <clears throat> and I had a really great time. And it is one of my favorite things about speaking is finding other people that not just the people that tell you like, this is a really great idea and it changed like the way I'm going into my year, but like reaffirming people that they already are awesome. They just need to sort of be reminded that like, oh yeah, I'm doing all this stuff and I am awesome. And so I really, that's like one of my favorite conversations to have with people. Um, anything else? Oh, I wanted to real quick, uh, who told us this? Who was walking through school? Was it Diana Forbes? So Diana Forbes, uh, who's on here every week, she might be on here right now, I didn't see yet. Diana Forbes was in her school and this guy, Matt Summerlin, uh, yells out to her and says, she doesn't know who he is. So she goes into his classroom and is like, hey, what's up? And he was like, you watch Real Rap with Reynolds. And she was like, what? How do you know that? And so he's seen her in the chat thing and in the Facebook group. And it turns out they teach at the same school. And she was like, it was really great because I feel like I know someone now that wants to get down the same way that I get down. And I love that, man. I just I think it's awesome. And Turtle's here, everyone. So, oh, there's Diana Forbes. She is uh, three people below Turtle. Turtle is my student. And Turtle, I will see you in two weeks. And I will squirt you with a water pistol when I see you or something like that. So um, what do you got? Questions, questions, questions. Mike D. That's me, Mike D. I'm going to get some. Um, Michael Diamond from uh, I know who it is. Do you think it's Michael Diamond from the VC Boys? I don't think uh, so. hey, silly question. What's your first name? My first name is Charles. Uh, Charles John Reynolds the third. I sound like a rich dude. My mom wanted to name me ready for that. Here's information that is nowhere to be found on the internet. My mom wanted to name me Gunther. Glad that didn't happen. No, my apologies to anyone out there. Name Gunther. I'm not trying to diss you, but like. I don't live in a, in a place where that name, I feel like certain names are acceptable in certain locations. And here I would just get a bunch of crap or they would just call me gun. And that's a weird thing to be called also. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, it's not a question, but you know what I'm talking about. Jill Chapman. <laughs> is that who did it? Yes. I, I forgot who did it. It was late when we saw Jill it. Jill Chapman has a cart in school. And she's doing this thing called Random Acts of Bacon, where she is, I guess, is delivering. So you exactly. should ask, people should ask Jill Chapman about her random, random acts of bacon. All I know is that would make Ron Swanson very happy. And Brody. Do you have another question for me? Yeah, well, yeah, hold on. Dude, I'm ready. There's two. One, um, one, one. I can hear Marley outside. Our daughter is in my wood shop right now, and she's trying to build a go-kart. She's nine. And what she's really doing is hammering very long roofing nails into pieces of plywood. So, and you can hear her out there. It sounds like she's building a house. Uh, welcome to this amazing life is saying, is it okay for students to be here? Uh, yeah, I don't mind if students are here. Um, so my students drop in every once in a while. Um, and part of that is like students without making it sound too wacky is like they kind of become characters like Slasher Cephas and Cheesesteak and Kent and DJ Dirty Kev and like these kids like become characters. And so I know that my students, like Amir Williams is in here also, but Amir, I've been talking to, he's going to be a senior in high school this year. Um, how's that feel, buddy? So Amir is uh, getting ready. Like he wants to be a teacher one day. So he is excited to, to get to know, he's actually made connections with people and, and like outside of, of just YouTube that he is like talks to them about teaching and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's awesome when students are on here. Um, and look, I don't have anyone that's like uh, that's a drag that shows up either. Like even kids that are like kind of like tough to deal with at school to be like, I tuned in your teacher talk last night. So boring. Well, I guess so. I guess it was boring because you're a teenager, right? Like, like what do you think it was going to be? We're talking about teaching, man. Um, what is on your shirt? Gratitude is the gratitude is the gateway to kindness. This is uh, my shirt that I got from Gary V. got there uh Kristen is asking second week in the bag nice that's gotta feel good something that i instituted this year was mindfulness meditation with the students in every class period would you ever do this it really sets the tone and period of day i i've been thinking about this a lot um you know i know that my own mindset is really important to me and i think that students don't um realize the idea of like being mindful that like for like anger management issues for instance is that like look without getting too crazy or woo woo like um listening to like being mindful that you are like instead of saying i am angry instead you start thinking like i am experiencing anger so it's not this thing that's like innately you but it's like it, when it's when you're separate from it, you can kind of handle it better. Um, and so there's a lot of that stuff. And I was just listening to a really interesting Tim Pet Ferris podcast um, about hypnosis uh, just yesterday, which is interesting because one of my new ideas for the school year that I'm not sure if there'll be a hit or not. I want to do um, sort of like like different strategies that I like share out loud the weird stuff that I do. So like last year I did um, what was that thing we went and got our asses frozen off. Cairo therapy. Oh, no, not, not Cairo. Ky what the hell is it called? Cairo. No, it wasn't Cairo. That's oh. a place in <laughs> Africa. Um, Are you sure? 
cryotherapy. I did cryotherapy last year, right? Which is like, I went into this thing and like, it goes to like, I don't know, negative 260 degrees Fahrenheit and like freezes you. But then the wild amount of energy that I felt after that was really great. Or I'm going to go hook up with this hypnotist in a couple of weeks and we're going to connect and go through like hypnotherapy and see what that's like. And so look, it's weird stuff that I'm already doing, but the more that I'm realizing is that, um, look, even you as teachers, when you meet some new teacher this year, you need to remember that your ordinary is somebody else's extraordinary. And so just trying to kind of like share out loud or live out loud and do that stuff in a way that like lets other people connect with, with what you're doing because you don't know, like, I, I can't assume that like the things I think about are the things that everybody else thinks about. So I think that's, it's something I'm going to try and do. Um, Kimberly is asking, what's up, Kim Wallback? Uh, when is your next teacher conference and where? Um, I don't think I have one until November. it's October. I thought teach better. Teach better. I know I have in November, but so the next one, I think that people could just sign up to go to is the teach better conference, which is going to be a really great lineup. It's Adam. Welcome is going to be there. Michael Matera, who was on teacher talk uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, Dave Burgess is going to be there. Uh, I think it's Cal. Is Tal, Tal, Thompson. Gonna Tal Thompson is going to be there. Who's here in the chat. Um, it's a great lineup. It's a really, really great lineup. And so if you go to teach better's website, it's in Akron, Ohio. Um, but they're keeping the price really low. Tracy said she'll be there. Oh, hey, Tracy, Tracy Pinter is going to yes. be there. Oh, nice. It, they're keeping the price really low because they know that like teachers can't just afford everything all the time, but it's, it seems like if, if just to go see some of the people that are speaking speak, it's gotta be, worth it so a bunch of people like i've met tal thompson like um in per like on the internet and through skype calls and stuff but like never like like person to person so that's cool and then i think your other ones like they're like new jersey principal um, yeah yeah all the other ones you have to yeah there is a there's some that are like principal stuff and like you not just anybody can get into it um because a lot of times when you get hired by a place they hire you for their thing um, like at their school. And so you can't just have anybody show up. Uh, but if anyone's school is looking for someone, I'd be more than happy to oblige. Anna is asking, I am trying strategies out for my classroom and I've been reading aloud to them in class a lot. I have ninth and 10th grade ELA. Do you think this is a good strategy or is it too teacher centered? Look, I think, first of all, first of all, I love the fact that you're trying something. Second of all, I love the fact that you're questioning the thing that you're trying I, I would say, does it seem to be working for your students, right? So like not everything is going to work for every kid, but last year I had certain students that, um, I started linking them in with, uh, what was it? Uh, audible. So instead of buying them books, I got them books on audible because I have students that I suspect might just be dyslexic. They're not getting like help for that. And so I, in speaking with a specialist, she said, like, get them audiobooks and allow them to do that or podcasts where they can listen to the podcast. Many podcasts have um, a transcript already, so they can just go through the transcript, read along with it. And it doesn't work for every kid because some kids don't want to listen to a podcast. Some kids don't want to listen to an audiobook. Some kids, whatever, they have their own different thing. So it's about, I think, trying stuff figuring out who it's working for, who it's not. And then the kids that it is working for, let them stick with it. The kids that's not have them do something a little bit different. You could even read to small groups of students where if you have one group of kids, um, this is why I do in my ELA classes. Like when I have um, 
a group of students that are working together and you put like a stronger reader, a medium reader and a lower level reader together, they're doing that. And then you are reading with another group. That can be a way to kind of do sort of that same thing, but in a little bit, um, a little bit of a different way. Uh, Brianna, Brianna, I'm never gonna be able to say your last name. I apologize. It looks lovely though. Brianna T is asking, what do you think of single gender groups for work and reflection? Obviously you teach at an all boys school pros and cons. I, I think it's really interesting. Look, like before I taught, I taught at all boys school because they, I liked the school model uh, in terms of like how they let teachers be like have autonomy in the classroom. I liked what they stood for. I liked the people that worked there. I liked the amount of money that I was going to get paid, but I did, I wasn't like a supporter of single sex schools. Now I totally see the benefit in it. And I think it is wonderful. Um, I don't think that's a problem at all because I just think boys sometimes learn different than girls. And, and I don't want to make that the sweeping over generalization of that. But I know that my guys, when working together, there's this sense of brotherhood that that comes about. And I think that like I know in high school, right, like I aligned myself with certain groups because that's who I liked because I wanted the pretty girl in my group or I wanted my friend that made me laugh all the time in the group. So I think um, largely letting students like pick their own group sometimes is a danger. Like it could be a good lesson, but it's like putting them in groups and helping them navigate that is better anyway. And really like in the work world, you don't get to pick your own group. Like I get put in groups all the time. Like when they pick PLCs for our school, I don't always get to pick the people I want to be with. It's like you get pushed into a group and then now make it happen, brother. And so I think that could be an interesting uh, take on it. Look, I think everything's worth the experiment. I think you have to pay attention to how that rolls out and who it works for and who it doesn't work for and then adjust accordingly. Uh, Sarah Collins is asking, uh, I recently switched from teaching high school to teaching middle school. I teach three classes. One third of the classes are super chatty and we can't get things done because it's getting so bad. Sarah, I think it's about reining things in. And the way that I do that is one, I have a signal for when I need you to be quiet. And then I explain to you why I need you to be quiet because having you be quiet just because I said so doesn't benefit anyone, right? Like we don't, like we largely don't live in that world anymore, right? We're like, Kids don't just like, gosh, man, I really sound like an old dude right now. But like kids walk by my house all the time, like cursing, right? Like they, even if I'm out there with my, my little ones who aren't that little anymore, but like, there'll be like people that just walk down the street, like cursing and, and talking trash or like smoking weed across the street from my house and stuff. And it's like, nah, I'm not even getting like, if you want to go do that, go do it. But just like when my little kids are like just playing here, like don't do that right here. Like go smoke something somewhere else. Or maybe have your adult conversation about how your girlfriend cheated on you somewhere that's not right in front of my kids playing on the sidewalk. That being said, um, I don't know that students have that. It's not like the old kind of days where like you, the teacher was talking and the students magically listen. Part of me kind of likes that. Like, I don't know. I don't know that I want little robots in my class. I want students to be quiet because they want to be quiet. I want them to be quiet because they want to earn respect or because they respect me or because we formed a bond and not just doing things just to do them. So like, it's about having that conversation about why you need your students to be a certain way. Um, and I don't even like that whole thought that I just had. 
I think I could go back and have a whole another conversation on that. But like, because I think there is value in like people being like, like just being respectful, just to be respectful. And like, you're not doing because you're a robot, but you're doing it because you're a good human being. That's a whole nother conversation. What I'm talking about right now is um, having students uh, understand why they're doing what they're doing and then letting them know what's next. We need to remember that school largely sucks, right? It is not a fun place to be in. Every teacher wants something from you the whole period. They, every teacher, if they could, would teach bell to bell for five, six, eight periods a day, right? You have a very little lunch and there's no time for socializing. So it's like essentially you show up to school, the bell rings and it's game on for the next seven, eight hours, right? Building in time for students to engage with one another, for students to talk, for students to um, like work on an activity together is important for the, let students share their story. So I think maybe building in some time for that by having clear cut boundaries on that. And then also letting students know how long an activity is going to last so that they know kind of what's coming next and what's going to like, we're only reading for five minutes. We're only doing this for this many minutes. We're doing this for this many minutes so they can see how this is progression is going to take place. It's not this like open abyss of science or math in front of me of like, oh my God, I hate this so much. Like, nope, you only have five minutes to do this pre-class activity. Then we're jumping into the lesson. That's going to take 10 minutes. I'm going to explain it. And then you're on your own for the rest of the period to get the work done. And I'll help you if you need it. That to me is more manageable. Um, so yeah, it's like, look real quick before I read this question, like it's, it's kind of like personal training. Like if you go to the gym and you know you have to do so many sets of something or you're running and you know how far you have to run is better than if someone's like, let's go running. And you're like, how far? Just run. Just get started and start running. It's like, well, how long are we running for? Like, where are we running to? Like, how like how long do I have to push myself? What are, is this interval training going to be like? Am I running really hard for 10 seconds, for 30 seconds, for a minute? Like knowing where the ship is going helps the sailors feel more short. That was a weird, that was almost quotable, but in a really <laughs> stupid way. Uh, Josh L is asking, how many meetings do you have in a week? Teaching, planning, data managing kind of things. Anything that eats up your designated planning time. Uh, do you have planning time? Like, <laughs> I don't really, I don't have planning time because I let it, because I meet with students all the time. Um, but gosh, that's a good question, dude. Um, not a lot. I think the school's pretty good at giving us space and time to do stuff. Like there's a, like one of my favorite things is like, uh, my first principal that I had when I was teaching in West Philly, I remember being in a staff meeting and they gave us like a thing that we had to do that was like for the district. Like it was some like mandated thing, but he's like, look, in my eyes, you could do this just as easily at home in your pajama pants on the couch for the rest of the afternoon or in your classroom. So I don't really care where you're doing it, just get it done. And I think the school largely rolls like that. Like it's like, we don't try to like overdo the meetings. Um, we have a meeting like once or twice a week, maybe if that English department meets like once a month or something like that. Um, so not a lot. And I, and I appreciate the fact that they do that because it, it respects my time and it doesn't just take it up with stuff so they can check off a box and say we're being diligent or, or whatever. Um, 
Genevieve. That's it. I wanted to say, I wanted to pronounce it a different Geneva. way. <laughs> yes. That's what I want to say. Genevieve King. I love that name. Um, is saying tomorrow is my first day as a teacher and I've been placed with a mentor teacher who is very negative. I have to, uh, I have to reflect with her and she approves my lessons. It says part one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, how do you deal with a negative teacher who you're forced to interact with daily? Um, so that's, that's a good question. Um, I've had co-teachers in the past that were just like not good people or, or like some people were just flat out, not good people. Um, the other people have been a total drag, right? This one woman, um, she taught at my school for one day. She went to lunch and she never came back, but I do all this training and meetings with her ahead of time. And she would like fall asleep in all of the meetings and she would just like nod out in PD. Like fall, like she was asleep in the room of professional development. And I thought how, like, clearly you can pick up my vibe a little bit here. Like I'm not falling asleep anywhere anytime soon. So it was like a real, it was like oil and water together. I've had other people that were just like completely turned off by teaching. Now they'd been in it for too long. They didn't want to do it anymore. They just hated everything about it. And, and it was like constantly a race to the bottom, right? Which is what teaching largely is, is like, there's so many teachers that just race to the bottom that are like, oh, you have 30 kids. Guess what? I have 35 kids. And it's like, oh my God, sweet Jesus. Like, can we like, not like, we're, we're always, always trying to outdo one another in terms of how bad it is or how tough we have it this year. I get it, right? That's That conversation can happen, but it's like, I don't want to stay in that place. I want to go to that place so I can figure out a solution so I can get out of that place. Um, but anyway, what do you do with those teachers? I think one, be awesome out loud all the time anyway. And I realize that that is a hell of a lot harder to do than, than, than just saying it. Right. But I just think what's the alternative? Like, what else are you going to do? Like the students need someone that's going to be awesome like that. I think also invite that person into your awesome. I, I think too many teachers try and do awesome stuff in their room and they, and then they, other teachers hate on them. Sometimes they hate on them because they got left out of the party, man. Like people want to be invited to your party, invite people to your party. Um, I think the other part of that is to find out what they're interested in. Why did they get into teaching? Like, look, teaching is not one of those jobs that people just get into. It's not like you're working in a coal mine somewhere. And it's like, well, my great grandfather was it, and my grandfather was it, and I'm it. Like you, everyone gets into teaching because they want to or because they felt led to or because it was it's not a job that you just like are forced into right um largely there's probably somebody out there that has some crazy story about that's the only job that existed and whatever but you know find out what that route was and then exploit it like oh you got into class because of this or you got into teaching because of this and even if they follow that up with yeah but it's not the same anymore the schools are different or the kids are different find out that story and then dig into that. And so sometimes maybe like sometimes we can like uncover that treasure and then like get, help it to find new life by asking about things or or saying, oh, you used to really like this part of teaching and then implementing that in your lessons. Oh, I thought because you said this, it would be a really fun idea for us to do this in class because you really loved doing that back in the day anyway. Or like that was a part of teaching that you loved, I think. And then building that relationship with that person and letting them see your intention could really work. And maybe it doesn't. And if it doesn't, then just pray that next year you have somebody different and just be awesome for the kids anyway. As Adam Welcome says, kids deserve it. Um, 
Laura is asking, Laura Campion is asking, what advice do you have for my middle school teacher brother-in-law who had a horrific year with his class last year and will have the same class again this year? So, gosh, um, one, students change. When I, I had uh, kids one year where they gave me like a very special group of flowers and I had them in the ninth grade and it was a very tumultuous year. We had three three co-teachers, four co-teachers in that year, something like that. Um, and so I think it was three. So I went from having them to the next year, having them again. Like I was asked to teach this class again. And from ninth grade to 10th grade, there is some shift of magic that happens in students that I do not understand, but they just grow up. Oh, I don't know if everyone like made out with someone, if so, everyone got a girlfriend, if everyone got a job, if everyone became cool. Like, I don't know what happened, but it is like, can't buy me love, like, which is only a reference that like five people will understand. But it's like, you know, the kid is, is one way one day and is different the next. And so I think hold on to that hope. Two, you already know who to look out for. And I think having the conversations in the beginning of the year with those students and saying, look, I feel like this is what it was like last year. And I'd rather have an awesome year this year. How can we make that happen? Now you're giving, by just doing that, you were giving the student ownership over their own learning, over the, your expectations of them in class and what class is actually going to look like and how you're going to make it work for them. And in doing that, you're, that's, you're empowering students. And so what, who doesn't want to be empowered? Every year when I have students that come back to ninth grade that got left back the year before, I always ask them like, or say like, look, nobody knows who you are. You failed the year last year and to stay back, you had to fail four or more classes, which is basically like you just gave up for the year. Like no one, most of the time students don't fail because they like don't know how to do well. It's because they just like, they just like, because the teachers care so deeply that it has to be a kid that just was like, nah, I'm just chalking the year. I'm just going to go to sleep for the year. And in that, um, when they come back the second time, it's like, no one in this classroom has any idea of who you are. You get to reinvent every year, every day, who you are. What do you want that person to look like this year? And then having that kid paint that picture and then working together um, with those students to have a better year. That's what I would do. Um, and I think you would be really surprised at just having the conversation that the kids are going to see, damn, well, so maybe like Mr. Reynolds is like a little different this year. Like he's asking me questions. He's like talking to me in a different way. And I think that could be good. Um, Indy Kitty, Indy Kitty. Do I say this a lot or do I feel like we haven't seen Indy Kitty in oh, a while? she's been here. Oh, has she? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's you me. You don't read the comments. Oh. She hasn't always asked a question. Facts. True. Yeah. Uh, is asking... How can teachers build relationships with introverts and not force sharing? I hear a lot of forced socializing. Yes. So that's a super great question. I think, one, not all students want to build relationships. Um, I was hanging out with someone recently that said, was telling me it was a grown, grown man, has a family of his own. And he said he doesn't have a lot of friends, right? He's like, I don't, he's like, I have like one friend. And I immediately thought, sounds so sad. Why would you only have one friend? Like, I love having friends. I want to have all the friends. And he said, I just grew up in a family. He grew up in a farm. And he's like, I really love my family. And so like, there was never a need to like, go hang out with friends. Like he had brothers and sisters and lived on a farm and they did cool stuff together and they engaged with one another. 
And even now, they're like a really tight-knit crew, like group of human beings. And I thought, yeah, I always think of – one of my favorite quotes is uh, your friends are God's way of apologizing for your family. And so to me, in many ways, that has been true in my life. And so I – gravitate towards friends because it came from like a, a tumultuous family and not all, but I have some of my family, like is like the most amazing people that you could ask for. And then other sides have been tumultuous and difficult to deal with. And so I think that, uh, you know, it, when remembering that not everyone needs a relationship with a student, I think too, what is this giving, like putting out bait and sometimes you catch fish and sometimes you don't. And so like I do things like take eyeball stickers and put them on kids and I go that are very quiet and introvert. And I go, got my eye on you, bro. And it's so dumb, but it's like, it lets kids know that I'm here. It lets kids know I see you. And so sometimes it doesn't need to be this big giant relationship that's built. It's just taking the invisible and letting it know that they're visible. And so that is what helps sometimes. Um, yeah. So writing on kids' desks or writing post-it notes and saying like, Hey, I think you're doing a really great job today. Not all students want a big shout out in class, but just putting on a post-it note, Hey, you're doing a really great job or giving them a card or giving them a sticker on their thing. And be like, yo, I see you. I see you over here working hard, man. I want you to know that I got my eye on you. And just those simple things can have the biggest impact sometimes. Anthony is asking, what are your best tips for work-life balance? I have two young kids. And I can't get the balance right. Also, with a name like that, you should be over here in the UK. Well, my people do come from England. Um, and so from Liverpool uh, is what I found out later in life. But I didn't find out later in life because apparently wherever they moved, like, the did I, do you know about this? Like, my family is, like, from both sides, it's a mixture of German, Irish, and English. And they leaned into the German side. Because Irish and English were like such so outcasted, like where they lived, that like they didn't, um, they didn't want to rep that side of themselves because they were just going to get crap That's for it. Sad. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. So I didn't find out that I was English till later in life. Um, so I think work-life balance is a myth, largely, right? And so I don't mean that to like, to to kind of like pop your balloon, but like I, I think that empowers people, and this is why. I cannot figure out a way that like is going, I'm never going to get everything in total perfect balance. Right. I think that, that some weeks I have to work harder at school. Some weeks I can see that my kids are really longing for me and I have to just push off no matter what work I have, no matter what paperwork needs to get done, no matter what the school is demanding that I finish. I see that my son or daughter need a movie night. They need um, me and my son used to do man time. We'd go out and do man stuff, whichever, whatever we deemed was man stuff, like go to the diner and sit at the stools at the bar. Cause that's what all the old dudes do. Um, sometimes I had to lean a little bit more into that. Sometimes it was like time with the not so secret wife or like, there's other times I'm doing work and the dog really wants my attention. So I just stop what I'm doing and give the dog attention. I think it's the bigger question is, or the bigger push for that is being mindful about what you're doing. Sometimes I build in a hard out. So I'll say, look, I have to work until seven o'clock tonight on school stuff, but that is my hard out. And then after seven, no matter what I'm not done, I'm a hundred percent focused on what I'm doing. So if I'm playing video games tonight with Brody in his room, which is what I'm going to do after this, uh, even though I have a hundred things to do to get ready for school tomorrow, uh, I have an hour. I'm not checking my phone. I'm not talking to my wife. I'm not having a conversation about 
the new, like we have merch coming out soon. And so we have to go over all these designs tonight and like talk about like what designs we want on the merch. But that conversation will happen after my set hour with my son. Then I will have that hour with my wife and I'll just talk about that. And then it's like, if we're eating dinner together, we're just eating dinner together. I think it's about being mindful about the time that you have and being only doing one thing, right? Like Ron Swanson says, never half-ass anything, whole-ass everything. So you're 100% tuned into what you're doing. And I find that that brings me a lot more balance. That end for me, it's getting up early. It's the morning routine that video that I put out the other day. It's like getting up early, having that morning routine and being on offense instead of defense changes everything in my, in my life. So that's, that's what I would go with. Uh, any or Angie, my bad, Angie, Angie Rogers is saying, what are some good get to know you games? Um, I don't do games. I don't do like icebreakers, but maybe someone else would have an answer for that. What I do instead is I do a student questionnaire, which you can get for free on my website on real rap with Reynolds, um, at real rap with Reynolds.com that I have a free who am I worksheet. And then I do a project which I've talked about. And you can see on, like, if you type in life map into YouTube, you'll, um, on my page, you'll see the video for this, which is a project that is, I talk about like from the beginning of your life until now, this is the, what the students are asked to do from birth until now, give me 10 events that made you into the person you are now. Maybe someone was born, maybe someone died, maybe you moved, maybe you met a friend, maybe you lost a friend, but in those 10 events, how did you become who you become? And then that gives students a chance to share who they are. It gives them a chance to have a platform and it gives you a chance to get to learn as much about students as you can um, through that activity. So th that's my favorite things to do. And then I just find that just hanging with students gives me a way better read on who they really are than who they like want to front that they are during like an icebreaker activity or something. Um, Jacob is asking at about 2.15 every day, almost an hour before the end of school, I lose my students. Feels like they just don't care anymore. Talking and behaviors go way up. Any tips to bring them back in? So that's this is a great question. I had a mentee call the other night. So like uh, I do these mentor calls for those of you that don't know. This isn't a commercial for my own stuff, but like um, where people like pay to have me meet with them for 30 minutes or an hour a week or every two weeks to talk about their stuff. The woman that I was talking to brought up the fact that her last period of the day, so she teaches five periods of the day, her last period is the worst every single day. And I said, yeah, but did you ever notice that your energy typically goes down by that period also? And it takes longer to teach something for your first period of the day than it does your last period of the day, because you've just explained it. It's like, you know, like the first time you ever made a certain kind of cake and the fifth time that you made that cake, you actually have it dialed in. Like you don't have to think about it as hard or you can move a little bit faster. It doesn't take as much time to do it because you've just gotten better at it. I think honoring that feeling is important. So knowing that fifth period does not take as long as first period to teach is important. I think letting kids know, all right, yo, listen, can I just have your attention for two minutes? I just want to note that I'm tired as could be right now. I've been in here. I've been talking about the same thing for five periods today, right? It's hard to get as excited about it, but I really love this lesson. And so here's what's going to happen right now. We're going to jump into this and we're going to finish before the end of the period. And if we can do that, I have an activity, a video, a game, something we're going to do or free time, whatever you want to do. 
But in that last 10 minutes, of, we're not even going to take 10 minutes of the class. And to be honest, I really love that because this is one of my favorite periods of the day. And for any of my students that are watching this right now, I tell every student's class that they're my favorite period of the day. And it's kind of the truth and it's kind of lying, but they don't have to know that because then they just love being your favorite period of the day. Yo, we don't even need 45 minutes. We need 35 minutes. Can I get 35 minutes from you right now? And, I, and then noting, <laughs> I like that she ducks. It doesn't really help with the ducking situation. Um, I love you, girl. So they... I think it's about also noting that the students' days have been hard. So maybe five minutes in the beginning of class, you're all right, we're at the end of the day. What's going on? What do I need to know about? Like what, who's beefing? Who had some drama? What class was awesome today? What class um, was like a teacher? Like, do I need to know? Because maybe they were feeling like you noticed that they were dragging through a little bit or they had something going on. How can Reynolds like maybe give them some love later or check in on them or something like you're trying to gauge the situation. And this is just a great way because it's giving students what they seem to feel like is an out. It's also empowering them because they're, they're giving you ways that you can help them or, or listen to them or help another teacher. Like you're acknowledging the thing instead of just trying to barrel through the day. Like it's not like, like it didn't suck. So I just think that's a really, those are a couple of like really quick solutions. And if at the end of the period, maybe you have like, a weird video at the end or like talk about something interesting or I have a box of questions in my classroom I've talked about before where like the kids put a question in the box of questions. If we have extra time at the end of the class, I answer things like weird stuff like is water wet? No kids. And that's a whole nother conversation. Um, Michelle is asking, will there be a new season of big guy, little car? I'm hoping. Um, look, I, I don't know because Cephas is in college now. He is he went to college last Saturday. Um, he keeps texting me. He's very nervous to be there. And so I don't know what that's going to look like this year, but I loved that so much last year that we're going to make something. I don't know what it is, but it's maybe it's a slightly different version of that. But I, I have Cephas is not like a, a unicorn in my school. There are tons of kids that are really, really wonderful, have really great, outlooks on life and funny things that they say. So I'm going to try and create some kind of daily show in the classroom, outside of the classroom that captures that same sort of spirit. Uh, and that's what we're going to do this year. What you got there, dude? Rebecca Wood, she's a right. question. Sure, I need some water real quick. Talking a lot, talking fast. Hey, do you remember what video the life map is in? In what video? I, um, I want to say, check uh, second day of school. What I do on the second day of school? Is that it? I don't know. I can try and look for that too. And because uh, you can't search it on mobile, you can always so I can't go in our channel and like search. So here's what I'll do. If you're watching this, as soon as this is done, I'm gonna go find it. I'm gonna put the link as a comment, and I'll pin the comment so it'll be right at the top. Um, instead of putting it in the description box, I'll just pin it right at the top. I think that's what I want to do. Yes. Yes. Thanks, wife. <laughs> uh, Rebecca Wood. Um, is this the Rebecca Wood that we know? That picture looks different. Anyway, Rebecca Wood has a question. So many names. I know. Uh, this is my fourth year as a junior, senior high school sub, and I'm working on my grad degree and teaching license. I have to observe 45 hours for my license questions. Since there, since I've been in so many classrooms, what should I expect to get from observing that I haven't seen as a sub? So, look, that's a great question. Rebecca, what you're going to see is, as a sub, you see students 
outside of their norm, right? But what would it be like to see students that have some consistency in the classroom, to see them with a teacher that has built those relationships and built those procedures and built those rules into their classroom? That, I mean, like, tip, like right, like as a sub, I feel like you usually see people that come in and if you've been in the same school, you have the opportunity to build relationships with students, but they always know you as the sub. They don't know you, maybe, maybe I'm projecting, um, as, oh, Miss Woods here, so like we have to do this thing. Or um, I, I just think like when people observe my class, they get to see me greet students at the door. They get to see me, how I start a class. They get to see how I interact with students, how I get kids more on point. And so I think it's looking for best practices that you can implement when you have your own classroom and also remind you of things that you do not want to do as a teacher also. Like when I see teachers like just yell at students or just talk over students like that makes me crazy on a level that I can't even express fully um, because I want kids to be respectful and to know that like we're, we're doing a thing. This isn't choose your own adventure, man. Like we have this unsaid agreement that like you're showing up to my class to learn, Edie would like this, and that I am showing up to be your teacher and like what are the expectations there? So like noting what those expectations are that you want to be, a, that you want to implement in your class and those that you don't want to implement in your class. So that's what I would look for. Uh, my boy, I'm here is asking, uh, Reynolds, what are you teaching this year? Uh, I don't know, man. Um, I think, I think it's, I think it's ninth grade literature again. Uh, cause that's what I always do. I don't know if those are co-taught classes. I don't know if my elective is coming back to me last year. Um, I got shifted out of hip hop and or history of hip hop. Um, and I was given a senior study class instead. So you kind of don't know until you go back tomorrow. And I, I, I live, I live in the mystery anymore. And so, and I'm fine with it. So yeah. Ross or that season that you don't It doesn't really matter. I, they could literally, I could teach seniors this year and they could just throw me in there and I'd be like, bam, I got it. I'll figure it out. Uh, Sophie is asking, Hey Reynolds, any advice for those of us in education programs going into my second year now? So yeah, I think Sophie, one of the things I don't think, so look, in the last few years, I've had uh, these two girls, um, Christina and Maggie, that came from St. Joe's University and started sitting in on my class. They had them coming in the school since they were freshmen. And when they come into my class, I like to let them be a part of the class. So like they're, they lead small groups. They might teach a little bit of something. They work with students one-on-one. -on -one. They do pullouts for tests and like sit with the student and help them to understand what's being asked and the questions so they can answer it. I want them to be engaged because I think the best thing you can do as a student is actually get in front of students and do some teaching, even if that's on a very micro level, like it's just one-on-one -on -one helping a kid read or write or work on something. In doing that, school treats education like it is like when you're learning about teaching in school, it's like you're learning about swimming in a classroom. And so when you're learning about swimming in a classroom, you can learn about the molecular properties of, of water and what it would be like to save yourself if you were drowning. And this is what, like, these are the kind of things that float on water. And this is how you breathe in water. And like, like whatever you're doing, right, is all in theory. And then when you start teaching, it's like someone literally kick you in the ass into the pool and you never actually got in water before. So finding experiences where maybe you can tutor someone, maybe you could be a part of an after-school program or um, something along those lines. If you do get sent to a school to do a practicum or an observation, 
like asking to be a part of the class. Like, is there anything I can do to make your life easier? Can I maybe grade some papers? Can I talk with some students? Can I be a part of a lesson? Like, can I collect papers? Like, can I organize stuff? Anything you can do to get yourself a little bit into those waters is going to be the best thing that you can do as a student. Best of luck too. If I can ever help with anything, um, let us know or join the uh, students or like education students are a lot in the Facebook group also. And you might find a lot of really great people in there as well. Uh, Kurt is asking, hi, Reynolds, student teacher here uh, who started last week already. <clears throat> awesome. There's like, we're like the latest people going we back. Are. We get, yeah. We... People have been back for like a month, man. Mm -hmm. There are people that were setting up their classrooms. I felt like it was like 4th of July happened. They were like, set up a classroom. And I'm like, no, not that. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, thanks for creating a ton of informative and inspiring videos. Any advice for a student teacher? So first of all, Kurt, it is my pleasure. Um, I'm happy to do it. Advice for a student teacher? Same thing I just told the, the student. Um, Sophie, I want to say her name was. Um, Kurt, I would go in to student teaching, even if you go, when you walk in tomorrow and say, what can I do that's going to make your life easier? Like, give me the job. Let me take attendance. Let me erase the board every day and write the stuff up there. Let me make your PowerPoint for you. Like, what can I do to get into this? I think a lot of student teachers that I've seen in the past, I've had people not, I haven't had a student teacher before, but I have tons of kids that get sent to my room to observe me every year. Some of those kids just sit in the back on their phone and they don't do anything. Others are eager to engage with students. They're looking for opportunities. They show up like Maggie and Christina would like show up on class trips. Like we'd go somewhere and they're like, can we come with you? Yep. They just show up at my school. They get on the bus and they go on the trip with us and finding ways that you can engage. I think I had such a wildly successful student teaching experience because I became part of the drama team. I became part of like the kids at like I, tutoring kids for SATs and being a part of stuff outside of school, staying late, coming in early, putting in that extra time to become part of the community. And you know what? I still keep up with a lot of the students that I student taught. Like I like last year or whatever, um, maybe two years ago now, I forget. But like someone hit me up and they were like, Reynolds, we're all back in the same area and we're all going out for drinks. Do you want to go with us? And I thought, drinks like are you even old enough and like yeah they're like like grown-ups now with kids and like are married and stuff so we all went out for drinks together it was awesome so don't i think also in terms of student teaching don't treat it like a throwaway experience treat it like you would any other class you have the opportunity this year to really connect with students and i think you should take that extremely seriously and have the most fun you can think of doing it uh mike d is asking me uh i have I have about 650 students as a tech teacher. I always try my best to make connections with students. Any tips to remember them all? I see them once a week for 45 minutes a week. Mike, I would say that is tricky. Um, so, gosh. I you see you're asking someone that like I don't I don't remember everyone's name. I make up nicknames for everybody. I think making yourself seem memorable and like you letting them know that you care, letting them know that they can come to you for anything, letting them know that, yo, know, if you want to work on this a little bit more later, like, I don't know what your schedule is, but like, I love when I have a after school program, that's a YouTube club. Right. And I teach kids how to build their YouTube channels. And 
in doing that, I love when kids come in on the days that they're not supposed to be there or during lunch and like, hey, this is my new profile picture, but I can't figure out a way to crop it so that fits into the thing. Or I'm working on my thumbnails for my videos. Like they're kind of whack and I want to make them look better or like make them look more attractive or hashtags or whatever it is. I get to work with kids on that and building opportunities for your kids that really love tech to come in later or earlier or during another period or substituting their study hall to sit in the back of your class to do more work. I think letting kids know that you care on that level and that you're excited about what you're doing makes it so that you don't have to connect with every student's kids are going to start looking to connect with you because you seem real, you're relatable, you're visible, and you want to go out of your way. And I think that it's like a bug light, except you're not zapping and killing kids afterwards because that would be looked down upon. But you're instead, I don't know. That was really, you get what I'm going for. Don't zap kids. There's an eye that we like that um, like helps with things like that, memorizing lots of people need. Oh, Jim. Shoot. Quick. Jim Quick. Yeah. Go check um, him out. Check Jim Quick out also uh, on his website. Man, he has tons of strategies for, for memorization. For, Mimi, for remembering names. And he's a guy that's had two significant brain injuries in his life and has like had to learn. This isn't like how to memorize every card in a deck or something like that, although he could probably tell you how to do that too. But like remembering people's names and stuff like that. He's learned specific tips and tricks for people that yeah, it awesome. doesn't come naturally to them. And a lot of it has to do with like visualization. <clears throat> yeah, he's awesome. Uh I might say this name wrong. Sheelan? I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, Weston. Uh, it's not good with names. Vowels mess my brain up. Um, uh, I'm in college, and the one thing that scares me the most is let me let me let me break that down real quick because that, that that seems like a one-off. I think that I am undiagnosed dyslexic on some level. So when words have too many vowels in them, especially people's names, it gets caught up in my brain and I it, I can't like make sense of it. So that's why I don't know people's names a lot. So I just want you to know that's not because your name's tricky or, or too like out there or something like that. It's more about me not being able to say those names. Anyway, um, I'm in college for education. And the one thing that scares me the most once I graduate is not having teacher autonomy. How do you do what's best for the students if you have to follow certain standards? You figure out how to do it anyway. You work within the confines of what you have and you do what I refer to as sprinkle magic on the situation. So I, I, I think this is so possible that it almost makes me like I have all the autonomy I could want in my school. I'm allowed to do whatever I want to my classroom, to within my classes. And then I hear from teachers that have all of these like, like they're not allowed to do anything to their classroom. They can't even tape something to the wall. I think that I could figure out a way to help those people. And like, I almost want to do like a bar rescue. This is one of my ideas for a show one day is like how they have bar rescue or like rescue 911 or something. I want to have classroom rescue. I don't want to go in to whatever your terrible situation is with your, whatever terrible curriculum specialist that you have to work under or your terrible books that you have to teach. And then figure out a way anyway, because there is a way because you can teach Shakespeare through the lens of hip hop. You can teach the Scarlet Letter, um, which a lot of people hate that book, right? Um, it's even teachers through the lens of 
What if we're looking at marginalized societies and things that are actually happening on our planet or with people in our own communities that are being marginalized and connect that to the Scarlet Letter? So now it's not just this old ass book that you're reading about something that you, it seems like you can't relate to, but instead it is the tale that's been told over time over and over and over again, which is why Shakespeare is relevant still. Shakespeare is relevant because those stories are still the same. That like, if we look at the Merchant of Venice, like Jews are still persecuted. Like, or there, if, and if that doesn't hit home for your students, look at other persecuted people within your community and then just swap it out. Like what was Shakespeare trying to say here? And how does that still ring true to us now? I think it's about making those connections. The number one thing that you need to be able to do is find out what gets your students excited and then tie that into your lessons. Is it video games? Is it music? Is it hunting? Is it fishing? Is it, I don't know, like whatever their jam is, it is teaching the thing you have to teach through the lens of what they're already interested in. And then that's how you hook students. That is how you create engagement. Um, and then being able to do that. And then knowing that from year to year, you're going to have to shift that because Although this last year end game was really huge. I don't know what the movie's going to be. I don't know what TV show is going to come out, right? Like, what is it going to be? Is it on my block? Like it was last year, or is it like everyone's talking about stranger things at the beginning of the year or everyone like game of Thrones was big last year. No one's talking about that this year. So like, what is the new thing? We have to stay relevant um, and up to date. It is not about being cool. It's about being relevant and speaking truth to your students in a way that they can understand and grasp and, and are engaged with already. Uh, my boy, Mr. Riedel is saying, Mr. Riedel has a video that has like a ridiculous number of views because he showed a student one time how to open their locker. Um, and just crushed it. I could have used brilliant. that video when I was like in middle yeah. school. You would, have, it, you would have liked it. So you could have just watched it regularly. <laughs> Be able to do it. Um, he said, "Oh, hold on, something popped up." Um, this year, I got a new job teaching sixth grade science in a low-income public school. After teaching fifth grade in a private school for seven years, I have two questions. One: How do you appreciate, uh, or what do you, what do you appreciate about you from? Wait, what? I'm, I don't know if I'm reading that way. What do you appreciate about from new teachers in your school as a team teacher? Okay. And the other, what do you think will be the biggest challenge I should prepare for in transitioning into a low income school? So I would say this one, uh, you know, I love when new teachers come in and they want to be a part of the community. I think too often teachers come in and they're like, they have this sense, especially in low income schools, title one schools, inner city, whatever you want to call it, that students have been, are just waiting for the right teacher that comes in. And then when they come in, Oh, they're going to be the savior that saves all the students. And it's just who they've been asking for. I do think students are waiting for good teachers or would love to have a good teacher, but I don't think they're doing it in the way that we think they're doing the narrative of dangerous minds and freedom writers as people can love those movies as all they want. And there's some, there is something beautiful to that, right? Standing the liver, dead poet society. There's things I like about that. The thing I don't like is that it's the one teacher coming in that's going to upend everything and save the day. It is this narrative that is tired and old and weak. It should be about how do I become a part of the community? And maybe that community does not exist in your school. Maybe the people that are in your school do suck. But being a part of a community online or elsewhere that are rallying around children, 
Nobody wants to go to a party by themselves. That will suck. Be a part of a community. Be a part of a party where everyone is, is a part of that. So finding people that are like willing to honor what you're doing and then want to be a part of it and then being able to share your own ideas. Do not wait to be awesome. Be awesome immediately. And I think that that helps also. Um, and be awesome out loud. I think the number one thing to answer your second question, the challenges are that one, I think students, I think you're going to see this this year, are so much more alike than we think that you could take a kid from Compton and a kid from North Dakota and they have way more in common than you would think they would because being in high school, being in whatever grade, right? It's about you're becoming who you're going to become. And that is a lot of the same struggle. Now, look, so being poor and living in the mountains, in the backwoods of Kentucky is so much alike being poor and coming from, you know, the hood in West Philadelphia. You're dealing with a lot of the same struggles, right? Like students dealing with a lack of consistency, students dealing with, um, being marginalized, not having the basic needs met, like those things are very similar. And so it's, but it's what it's about is, is not expecting that, you know, anything about that just because you saw the Fresh Prince, just because you saw a movie about like you watched boys in the hood does not give you a glimpse into that culture. And so I think it's about becoming a part of the culture, asking students things, asking parents things, going to the corner stores that your students shop at, going to, um, the parks, the basketball games, like getting a real sense of the community with which you are working and then having that inform who you are. Uh, Kim Bearden said something at a conference that I went to um, last year, which was, or this year, uh, Kim Bearden is a teacher at the Ron Clark Academy. And she said, as a white woman, she's like, I could never know what it is like to be a black child in the South. I just didn't grow up with that. And there's no way I could ever learn like, or really, really understand what that's like. The question isn't, it shouldn't be about that. The question is, what do you wish I knew? And so that I think is a really great way to enter in with students and to really gain a sense of like who they are and what they're about instead of going in with like any sort of like stereotype or assumption about what you think it's about. Sorry, I apologize. I was just trying to pick up the phone. Now I feel bad. It's moving. Like, I don't... It's not like stand on the question? No. Do you want me to answer this one and then go back to that? We try and answer the questions in order. Yeah, so, like, if it shifts, like, I don't want It doesn't normally do that. Just answer yeah. that one. I'm okay. sorry if I skip someone. Yeah, so I apologize if I skip someone. We're going to try and make sure that we get all, all right. the questions, but... Yeah, it is jumping because it just jumped a bunch more. Yeah. That's weird. It doesn't do that. Uh, I think this was the question. I think the question was um, from Rima. Rima is asking, how do you let go of perfectionism and let other teachers help you? Sometimes I want to do everything myself, but I know that it's going to be ineffective and I'll get overwhelmed. Um, Rima, I, you know, that's – it is, I think, about talking to other teachers and trying to like talking to them about what they're bringing to like, what do they envision the class looking like? So for instance, I've had a lot of co-teachers over the last several years because people just quit or they leave or they get fired or whatever. This, if I get this guy again, Mr. Fines, this will be our third year in the classroom together. And so 
I don't think Fines watches this, but Fines, if you are watching this, know that this is coming tomorrow. Um, my question, Fines and I work very differently. Um, there's a lot, we have a lot of similarities, but we have some very big differences also. And instead of, instead of getting in on what someone doesn't do well or how they're ineffective or how they don't do the job you want them to do, right? Is I think it's about saying, what do you think you bring to the class? And what, or this is what I'd love to see more of this year. Or like, how can we hone in on what your strengths are? And then being honest about what your strengths are too. And like how you maybe struggle with that. Like have that conversation with someone. Let them know what you're thinking and feeling. Because in doing that, you're putting it all on the table and not an accusatory or blaming sort of way. You are instead, um, you're trying to connect with them and bring what you, what you're good at. Um, can we handle that situation? You see that on there? Um, instead you are trying to connect with that. So, um, I'm a hot mess. It's all right. We're doing our best. So whatever ones you have. Want me to just find one? Yes. Okay, you got it. Uh, sorry, the, the chat keeps moving tonight, and, and it it's not. It doesn't usually that. do this, so I'm, I'm trying trying to like miss someone's question. But I'm just but going. But I can't for the... even get back because it's in a live chat, so it's like it's not allowing me to go back to the beginning of like the chat thread. Yeah. It's never done this. Before. I know it's, it's weird. Uh, the inspired teacher is saying, "Hey Reynolds, you mentioned being part of a community. I've started a new at a new school, and no one talks to each other." What do you recommend to start a community of excited teachers? Um, that's a really great question. So what would I do if I was in a school and it felt like nobody wanted to hang together? Um, one. There's got to be someone. But one, I think to exercise that muscle is being a part. You're being a part of this community right now, right? So like finding people here that you can connect with. And sometimes that can subsidize what you're not getting in school. Um, being a part of the Facebook group or, or, or just the teacher talk on Sundays is, is a good start. Outside of that, I, I think one of the things I try to do is just do nice things for people. Um, it's about when I run the Dunkin' Donuts and I get a coffee for a dollar thirty or whatever it costs me for a medium coffee. For a dollar thirty, I now have an entrance ticket into someone else's life, so I can come back to school and stop in and say, "Hey, I went to Dunkin' Donuts. I picked up extra coffee. Do you need one? I brought cream and sugar back with me." Someone might go. Oh my God, that is the best thing I ever heard all day. Like I could totally use a coffee right now. I didn't have time to run out for one or I don't drink coffee. Oh, really? Any particular reason? I'm just wondering like that to me, those are all like, they are places for you to, to get in, right? Like, um, I, I think that can be done in a lot of ways, like inviting people out saying like, Hey y'all sending an email out to your staff. I'm new here. I don't really know anyone. I was thinking about getting like drinks and apps like after school or like going out for coffee after school one day. Um, would anyone be interested in doing that? And even if you get just one person that shows up and you can connect on a human level and not just talk about teaching, but you find out they have kids too, or you find out that you both love rock climbing or something like that, that starts building that, that snowball effect of momentum that like, as your snowball is going down the hill, you, you start like, uh, finding more people that are interesting. And I, so I think that's how it happens. I wouldn't look at it as this over this big, I have to build this giant community of people, try and find one person. And maybe that's even someone that you think is cool and just start trying to be around them more. And then saying, yo man, like 
I really like your your outlook on this. Would you ever be considered like, do you want to get coffee one day? I just love to like ask about your class or ask about how you got into this profession or how you got so good or whatever. And I think that that really helps people also to feel um, connected and wanted and all that stuff. So that's where I would go. Here, do this oh, instead of this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no. that pink one. Pink one? <laughs> um, Evan is asking my question. How do you identify students who have difficulties reading, especially those who may have unreported ADHD and aren't comfortable sharing their situation with teacher, with teacher or classmates? So, Evan, I would say um, some of that is by just be like knowing what I know about myself um, and thinking that I have like as a kid, like some undiagnosed like ADD stuff. I'm not I don't think I was the HD stuff, but like definitely not being able to focus on things is a concern for me. Um, having a brother that had severe ADHD, like, so when you know people like that, it's a lot easier to, to know. So like um, my son having high functioning autism, I can note that in other kids because I'm like, oh, you're doing the thing where you're like, you're not making eye contact with me or you're doing the thing where you're not like social norms are not a part of your daily routine. Like you start, you, you know the clues to pick up on, right? So that's part of it. The other part of it is um, I think not necessarily having to diagnose or identify something about a student, but asking students better, like, has there been anything in your past that you've not really liked the way that teachers have talked or done in class? And has there been like, what has brought you the greatest amount of success in class? So then you start noting things like, do you need to sit in the front? Do you need to sit in the back? Do you need a stand-up desk? Do you need someone to read with you? Do you need an audio book? Do you need to put, be put in a small group? Do you need extra time in your test? Like you can start just through building relationships with students and asking them about them, that helps inform you. I think the other piece is parents, calling parents. And I, I have never, ever, ever, ever in 12 years of being a parent, had a teacher call me in the beginning of the year and say, I have your student this year. Um, can you tell me about Brody? How does he best learn? What are ways, that, what are the things that he responds to best during redirection? What does he not respond to? Because some kids deal, they are better if I yell at them. If I raise my voice, it like kids with ADHD, it, like it hits something in their brain and they need that kind of shock to their system. Some, not all. And so I have a student, Aaron, I yell at Aaron all the time and Aaron knows I yell at him all the time. And we almost laugh about it. Cause it's like, how come I can't just tell you to, to, to start reading again? Why do I have to raise my voice to do it? And it's almost this hilarious thing. Whereas there's other students I have that one of my favorite students, Joe, that graduated last year, I have never raised my voice with Joe because I know it's how he doesn't get down. And so it's about knowing your students and knowing how they work, but their parents are going to know better than it anyone so calling parents asking them and i think that's how you do it uh as a parent and not a teacher i would have flipped a lid if a teacher ever asked me oh lost my mind i know i already am like you are my favorite teacher ever yeah you win uh this moved so i'm just gonna pick this okay question yeah it's like as it's sitting here it's just like like clipping by all the questions uh Winter, uh, who is lovely anyway, Winter is asking, how uh, how do you handle when students say, I don't know, when you ask them a question? Also, I've noticed some kids 
really look scared when I ask them questions in class. What are your thoughts? Winner, I think that not all students do know. Some students take a long time to process things. So when I, in my, um, when working with business stuff, sometimes I am working or talking with people that process very quickly. I do not. Sometimes it takes me a while to be like, how do I feel about that? What do I think about that? And it takes me knowing that my process is slower, which is why when we are reading something or asking questions and we go, all right, I need an answer for this. Anyone, Reynolds, what's the answer there? If I didn't know it, it's not that I don't know it. It's like, I need, I need a moment. I'm getting there. And it takes me a little bit longer to get there. This is my whole life, right? My mom used to sing this song to me about how I was like a turtle because I was so slow at like, not just, not like with everything, with like cleaning my room, with washing the dishes. My wife still gets mad at me because I just, I just like slow and steady. When's the race, girl? That's how I wash dishes. Um, it is, so not everyone knows right away. Maybe the question needs to be reframed, right? So like asking or rig the game so kids can win. Ask a question that maybe in the beginning that's, an easy one and then raise the stakes after that. And that really helps students I found as well to really um, begin to start engaging because you're rigging the game so they can win. So it's like, and what I mean by that is like, if you want to start flossing your teeth, this is the way it was explained to me. If you want to start flossing your teeth and you're like, I hate flossing my teeth. It sucks. Like no one, like, I don't know why it's such a big deal, but no, I don't know very many people that like flossing their teeth, but if you want to start flossing your teeth, you do that by flossing one tooth. That's it. You go between one tooth and another one. You floss once a day and that's it. You feel a level of success. If you're in the midst of it and you floss that tooth, you're like, I can do another one tonight. Just do another one. But if you don't feel like it, you already won. You got to make a check on your thing for the day. And so I think we need to do something similar like that to students. We shouldn't be flossing your teeth, but we should rig the game so that they can win. So they can start feeling that accomplishment. And then that builds momentum and they start doing better after that. Um, what is this? He gave $10. Nice. Samuel gave $10. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, Samuel Penn gave $10. So uh, it says, I've been working all day, marking and lost my entire Sunday, and the kids won't care at all. Um, what should I do Sunday night, apart from listening to this great show to get my mind right? So, Sam, I think... Like, you're right. Student, like, students won't care. I think, first of all, I give myself time constraints when I'm doing anything for school. There's something called um, Parkinson's Law that says an activity will take as long as you give it. And we all know that this is true because if you, as an adult, have people coming over your house tomorrow, it will take you until then a lot of times to get your house cleaned up and get ready. But if you find out someone calls you and they're like, yo, bro, I'm going to be over in 10 minutes. Let's watch the football game together. And your house looks like, you know, like no one loves you and like that you've been just like, I don't know, you've lost the will to live. Um, you can get that thing pretty much under control in 10 minutes, right? It's not it's not the task. It's that sometimes if we have too long to do something, it will take that whole time. I suggest on Sundays, giving yourself honed in time where from like 12 to 2 or whatever, Everything will get done in this time. I will. I am allowed to do nothing else. I will not answer the phone. I will not check Facebook. I will not look at anything else. I will not get a drink of water. I am only doing the thing for that set amount of time. Or 
for in 25 minute increments, which, so I'll work for 25 minutes and then I take a five minute break and I have a hard out. I tell Google right there, Google, give me a timer for five minutes. Don't do it right now. All right, cool. Um, I, and then I get through that stuff. Then on Sunday nights, like after I do this, uh, I try to just be very mindful about what I'm doing. And I find that doing things like resetting me for the week is like being grateful. I have a job. There's so many teachers that don't have a job or I get to do something I actually want to do. Back to the coal mining thing. Like, I don't know that there's a lot of coal miners and I'm not talking crap on coal miners, but like, I don't know that they got to like pick that job. I think that job picked them or that was like, what was the opportunity for them because there wasn't something else. Like I get to pick my job. And then I think exercising that, that muscle of gratefulness really helps me. And then I have a show that I watch like usually on Sunday. So like baller starts out tonight. I'm going to watch ballers with my wife. I'm going to drink a glass of wine. I'm going to chill. I'm not doing anything else. I try not to think about school. And then, so I can get a good night's sleep and this might sound let's like wine. will put you to sleep. Also, um, I have a hard time sleeping in the beginning of the school year. I started doing CBD last year, which is like a, a derivative of a hemp plant. It's not smoking pot. It's like, um, cause people get confused with that all the time. It's an oil that I buy online and I put like three droplets of it under my tongue and I pass right out and I have like the greatest night's sleep I've had since before I had children. Cause we all know that after you have kids, you don't sleep the same as you used to. So CBD rocks and it helps me. So I think just those, those couple of things can really, really help um, on a Sunday night to get you in the right place. Um, and then, yeah, cool. Uh, Pawn is asking, I love that. Your name is Pawn and your profile picture is Pawn. That is just, I like that consistency. Good work. Um, Mr. Reynolds, would you swear in front of students intentionally or on accident if something happened that really bothered or annoyed you? E.g. someone broke uh, your laptop. Thanks. I So look, I think it's not about whether you are swearing or not swearing. I think it's about being in control as much as possible of the things that you're doing. I try to do nothing on accident, even if I like, so I have, I yell at my students at least once a year, right? Cause I'm just like not a big yeller. Certain students, I do it all the time, but it is calculated. It is, I think teaching is 90% acting. Sometimes I act outraged. I act really upset about something, but it's because I know that that is what my students need at that moment. It's about gauging what they need so that you can meet those needs um, that I know for, oh gosh, I'm going to tell mm, I, I will say this. My own children in the past have gotten in trouble for things before. And although I'm not really heartbroken about it or not really, really upset about it, because I know I have good kids. I know we put the time in and I have good kids. I have to sometimes lean in a little bit and be like, I'm really disappointed. Like, like I'm really disappointed that you would do that because I know the desired effect. Um, and, and so sometimes it's about leaning into that. So it's not necessarily about cursing or not cursing or yelling or not yelling. It's about, it's about figuring out what your students need and then being calculated in your approach. If you just start cursing at kids because you're unhinged, that you're going to end up on YouTube or on someone's like TikTok or something like that. It's a, it has to be calculated. You have to learn how to like reel that stuff in and, and um, you know, cause you can't just go around karate wherever you want. You have to have calculated karate. That's what I think it is. All right. Last question. Um, cause I'm um, starving to death and my kids are too. Um, and look, if we didn't get to your question, I really apologize. The 
chat was being wacky tonight. So um, Cindy Jackman is saying, what are different ways to be creative to punish a child if they are misbehaving and you really want to make a difference in their lives? Cindy, I think that the un, the absolute number one thing is to build relationships with kids. Um, I do a lot of weird stuff. So if someone has their cell phone out in class, I have been known to take that cell phone, to sit on my windowsill, to hit the time-lapse button and to fill up their entire memory, kill their battery, and um, get a really sweet time-lapse of the parking lot or something like that. I've also wrapped kids' phones in paper towels and duct tape and then taped them to the wall or hid them in my room and made them have to find them. I've had kids that throw trash at one another, clean trash up in my room after school, whatever it is, right? That is suitable to my personality. Um, I don't like the idea of punishing someone just to punish them, to make them feel bad. The punishment, oh gosh, the punishment stuff for the crimes is kind of dumb too. But like what I'm thinking is what I want you to do more than anything is understand why what you did was wrong. And then what are we going to do next time? You can't just tell a kid that has anger management problems to stop. Um, what you, what you do show a kid is that this is how you're losing in this. So what, like Mr. Rogers would say, what do you do with the mad inside when you feel so mad you could bite, right? What I mean by that is, or what he was talking about there is like giving kids an alternative to, I know you were really mad at that kid for pushing your buttons. How can we better control our anger or better steer our energy the next time? And you can only do that by having conversations with students having them be an active participant in what's going on and building relationships with them is the number one thing there. Um, look, before everyone's gone, um, these podcasts are now being, with the great help of my friend Jake, Jake is turning these into podcasts. They will come out at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. So 6 a.m. tomorrow, if you didn't get to listen to this whole thing, you want to listen on the way to school, but you don't want to use up all your data watching YouTube videos, you can go to... Where, where do they get the link Anchor to that? And Spotify are the best. It's on Anchor and Spotify, Real Rap with Reynolds, Teacher Talk. Um, we will also put a link up on, on YouTube, on the community board tomorrow, which just shows up as a post, but it's like, it's just you'll see it. It'll just be on YouTube. Um, so you can find all that information there. And that's it. If you need anything else, be sure to visit the Facebook group or you know, if you want to sign mentoring or anything like that, all that stuff exists. I go back to school tomorrow also, and I'm excited to be able to talk about that this week and to get some new videos out that I'm actually like in the classroom and doing stuff. Um, and that's it, everybody. I hope you have a really great week. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.